Good evening. Good to see all of you out tonight. Glad that you're here with us. I may have misrepresented my lesson. It's really not about work. Um, <laughs> it's about the church. That's part of the church. But it's really not about work. So, <laughs> But uh, those are good songs, though, anyway. He's done a really good job today of picking out songs that I remember from my childhood. We, we sang them all the time. And I know that To the Work, that's a Bud Mitchell song through and through. He used to lead that every Wednesday night, just about. And uh, so I was thinking him, and of course, we'll work till Jesus comes. That's a Jeff Adcock song. And some of y'all remember that too. But anyway, the good songs tonight. Our lesson for tonight is entitled, Who Does God Want to Be in His Church? Who Does God Want in His Church? When I look at the world, and especially as I look within the church, uh, I think one of the flaws that, that I see within us as Christians, not in the church uh, as a whole necessarily, but, but in us as Christians, something that, that we sometimes don't do the best job of is judging who should be in the church. I see of congregations that, that are not as welcoming to certain people and there are certain people that we look at and think, well, nah, they wouldn't ever obey the gospel. And things of that nature. And I think we get the idea that, that we, we judge who is in the church. And we really don't. We really don't need to be in that place. We need to let God be the judge. And so, this is one of those lessons that I've had in my list for a while. and It's one I've decided to work up into a lesson. And tonight we're going to answer this question, who does God want in His church? Is there anybody that God doesn't want in this church? Is there a particular type of person, a particular people that God would rather not be in His church? We're going to look at three main types of people that God wants to be in His church. First of all, I think we'd all be in agreement with Christians. God wants Christians in His church. He wants those who are saved in His church. Those who believe in Jesus as His Son. Those who have obeyed the gospel as it is presented in the New Testament. God wants Christians to be in His church. What about sinners? You know, God doesn't want us to sin, but does He want sinners to be in His church? He wants them to obey the gospel. He wants them to be saved. But, but has there ever come a point? Uh, could their sins be too great or too many to be in His church? Does God want sinners in His church? And what about those who have left the faith? Those who have left God for other things or other people? Does God want them to be in His church? Now, there's some strong language in the New Testament about those who have left the work. Does God want them to be in His church? Does He want them to come back to His service? Some truly believe that they are not worthy enough to be called a Christian. 
And that's a whole other idea in and of itself, that there are people that believe that they are not worthy enough to be in God's church. They've just done too much wrong. They've done so many bad things in their life, or maybe they've committed what we would consider the worst sins in their life, and they just could not be in this church because He doesn't want them. Some Christians believe that certain people are not worthy of becoming Christians. What does the Bible teach? Who does God want to be in His church? Our lesson objective for tonight is to study the teachings of the Bible and to determine who God wants in His church. Well, let Him speak. Let Him decide. Let's begin with God wants faithful Christians in His church. God wants faithful Christians, faithful men and women. Those who are going to serve Him to the best of their ability. God wants faithful Christians in His church. Now, a good question to ask is, who is a Christian? And this one might vary in response depending on who you ask. Some people would say, well, those who believe in Jesus. Those are Christians, right? The Bible, let me suggest to you, is a little bit more specific than our general society will go with the word Christian. We have to understand that Christians are those who follow Christ and His teachings. There are many people who do not follow the New Testament. They follow ideas from their own minds or they follow things that, that were in the Old Testament that, that don't pertain to us today. And they believe that they are Christians, but are they really? Is everyone that says, I'm a Christian, actually a Christian? Christians are those who follow Christ and His teachings. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 11. Acts 11, beginning with verse 19. Acts 11, verse 19. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. An account that we recognize very well. In verse 26, And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. 
So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Not the Antiochs necessarily around us, but the Antioch of the Bible. As we look at what is said here, we see that they went about preaching the gospel. We see that there was a, a church here, that there was an assembly here that taught a great many people they were doing the will of God and they were called Christians. They were called Christians first in Antioch. Why? Why were they called Christians? They were called Christians because they were disciples or followers of Christ. They were doing the will of God. That Christ had passed down through his apostles. They were doing what they needed to be doing. And because they were following Christ, they were called Christians. We need to keep in mind that we, in order to be called Christians, must be doing the same. We must be teaching and following in order to wear the name of Christian proudly. Christians are those who have obeyed the gospel. They are those who follow Christ and His teachings. They do His will. And they are those who have obeyed the gospel. Go back to Acts chapter 2. As part of our scripture reading, we talked about uh, the establishment of the church. Peter preached the first gospel sermon in Acts chapter 2. And about verse 37, it says this. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter answered them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized. In Acts chapter 8, we read that the Ethiopian eunuch was asked to confess Christ also. Acts chapter 8 and beginning with verse 36. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Obedience to the gospel means just as we read here in the confession of the eunuch, he, he believed. He was asked to confess that belief. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That's obedience to the gospel. But only those who are obedient to the gospel can wear the name of Christian. As we look at Christians, we understand that there's more to serving God than just believing 
and obeying the gospel. That's important to do. We must do that to, to be in Christ. But God desires continued faithfulness of His followers. God wants faithful Christians. Not those who have left the work. But He wants those who are continuing in His work. Continuing to do His will. We are taught to be different than the world. One of my favorite passages is Romans chapter 12 beginning with verse 1. Romans 12 and verse 1. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be different than the world. Well, that means that we can't just be baptized and, and then go back to doing the same things that we were doing before. We've got to do something different. We have to live differently, right? Right? And for some of us, that may, may mean more of a drastic change than others. For me, it mean, meant coming from a position where I had been raised in the church and I had been taught all of my life what I needed to do to become a Christian. And I became a Christian and I, I continued in the, the things that I had been doing before, for the most part. And even so, there are still things in my life that I'm trying to change. But it may be for some of you that, that you came from a background where, where the church was not a part of your history. It's something that you had to learn and, and, and learn what it meant to be a true Christian and disciple of Christ. It, it may have been more of a, a drastic change for your life than mine, but a change nonetheless. We are told... To be different than the world. Do not be conformed to this world. It's easy to conform to the world. When you have the world all around you, it's easy for the world to shape you into what it wants you to be. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Think on different things. Renew your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do the will of God. But be different. We're taught in Scripture to be a peculiar people. It's one of my favorite passages. And it's not in a bad sense, but we are to be peculiar. We are to be different than the world. And even different than the denominations that, that teach things that, that are not true to God's Word. We're to be different than those. We are taught to continue in our faithfulness to God. Hebrews 3, verses 12 through 14. Hebrews 3, beginning with verse 12, says this. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened 
through the deceitfulness of sin. Remember, conformed to this world. Same thing. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Do not give in to the world. Do not give in to sin. Be different. Who does God want in His church? He wants Christians. And He doesn't want just any Christians, but He wants those that will follow Him all the way to the end of their lives. Those who remain faithful. Those who never give in. Those who are not conformed but transformed. That's who God wants in His church. What about sinners? God wants sinners to be added to His church. Doesn't matter how great the sin, but God wants sinners to be added to the church. And He gives us a way to do so. You might ask the question, is it true that God wants only Christians to be in His church? Absolutely. He wants only Christians. Only those who obey the gospel are added to the Lord's church as according to Acts 2 and verse 47. But is anyone prohibited from being in the Lord's church? No. God gives an avenue in which everyone, no matter what their background, no matter what their history, they can be a part of His church if they so desire. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 we find that the Lord is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. There's not a single soul in this world that God wants to them to perish. Not a single soul. I remember a few years ago whenever we were having problems with Iraq and, and we were at war with them and I believe it was Saddam Hussein whenever he was, was killed. There were a lot of people that celebrated his death. Is that what God wants? Even as bad as he had been and, and Osama bin Laden and some of the others that we might think of that were, were horrible people. Even as bad as they had been, as long as they had breath, they had the ability to come to Christ. That opportunity was open to them. God was not willing that they should perish. Jesus died for them too. I've heard in, in sermons from other preachers that Jeffrey Dahmer, before his passing, before he was killed, came to Christ, was baptized, became Christian. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And no one is excluded from that. No one is prohibited. No one is kept from being in the Lord's church. That offering of, for sin, the offering of Jesus is available to all. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever, doesn't matter who it is, but whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life.
Yes, God wants only Christians in His church. But the ability to become a Christian is offered to everyone. The only thing, the only thing that will keep someone from Christianity is that they continue living in sin. Sin separates us from God. And if we continue in sin, then we have that separation between us and God. But we have the ability to believe, obey the gospel, and be faithful children of God if that is our desire. No one is excluded. Think of who Jesus went to in His ministry. And this is one that is maybe a little bit harder for us. Because we don't often go to these types of people that Jesus went to. Maybe that's something that that we might need to change in our life. Look at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9. Matthew 9 verses 9 through 13. Matthew 9 and verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is he doing that? What possible reason could he have for wanting to be around the lowliest people? Verse 12, when Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know, sometimes we have people come in here from different walks of life. Some that that look different, that talk different, that act differently from us. And sometimes that makes us feel a little uncomfortable, doesn't it? We have to be very careful of how we judge. Look at Jesus. Look at who He went to. Those who are well have no need of a physician. Encouragement to continue, maybe, but but those who are sick, those who are sinners, those who are tax collectors, those that may be considered the lowliest of people, they're deserving of God's love, are they not? I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's our goal. You know, we have a lot of programs in the church that, that bring congregations together and we, we do things together and, and that's great. It's great for encouragement, for building up. But sometimes I think we fail in going to the lost. We as Christians have a duty. We need to spread God's love to those who need it most. 
The point of the sermon on the day of Pentecost was to teach sinners what they needed to do to be saved. It's the beginnings of the church. And we have also been commissioned to reach the lost. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go therefore and make disciples. See, we're not commissioned just to keep disciples faithful. We are to make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing those who never obeyed the gospel. Teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. That's our mission. Just as it was given to the apostles, so it is given to us. We have a mission to the world. It's repeated in Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Are we fulfilling our mission? You see, God wants sinners in His church. Not that they should be sinners in coming into His church. But that they should put away their sinful ways and follow Him. God wants sinners to be added to His church. And finally, God wants the wayward to come back to His church. As I mentioned before, there's some pretty strong language in Scripture about those who are not faithful. I think of what the church in Laodicea was told about being lukewarm. God was not pleased with them in any way. There are those who leave the work. We think of, of maybe Demas and, and several others in Scripture that have left the work. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 22, how does God feel about those who leave the work of the church? In 2 Peter 2 and verse 20, says, for if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. There are those that turn back. They turn back to worldliness. And living the way that they lived before they became a Christian. And it says in verse 20, verse 20 that they're the latter end for them. The latter end is worse than the beginning. How so? If for someone who has realized the sacrifice of Christ, has realized that His blood can cleanse them, have, they've obeyed the gospel, they've 
come to Him and, and they have been cleansed from all their sin, from all iniquity, and now they go back into the world. What's the difference between them being a part of the world in the first place and going back to the world? They once knew what they needed to do. There are those who live in the world and live in sin that have no idea. But there are those, on the other hand, that turn back. We cannot turn back. Can one who has turned away from God return to his service? Yes, they can. And we want that to happen. If someone is wandering in the ways of the world, we want them to come back. In Luke chapter 15, it's one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. And it speaks of a waywardness. It speaks of those who are lost. It speaks of those who were once a part of the fold, but have left. Luke 15 and verse 7. Speaking of the lost sheep. There were 99 sheep and one left the fold. But was brought back by the shepherd. And in verse 7 of Luke 15. It says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Take the story of the ten coins. And one of those ten coins was lost. The owner searched until she had found that one lost coin. And in verse 10 it says, Likewise I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, let's look at the story of the lost son. A child of his father. And yet he desired to leave his home. He desired his inheritance. And so he asked his father for the inheritance. His father obliged. And he left and, and we read that that he went into what we would call riotous living. Until he finally spent all that he had. He had nothing left and he ended up feeding swine, pigs. And he was so hungry that it says in verse 16 that he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. So what's a child of his father? He was an heir of his father. And he took what his father gave him and he squandered it away. Until he had nothing. Until he was nothing. And it says in verse 17 that when he came to himself he said, How many of my father's hired servants... Have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. 
And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Verse 22, But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry for this my son. This my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. His son had wandered away and he desired to come home. And his father was watching for him and he ran to him. He ran to meet him and he was joyous when he came home. Does God want those who have wandered away from him to come home? Absolutely. This is the ultimate story that we find of, of God receiving his own once again. For those who are wayward, if they remain in sin, yes, their latter end is worse than the beginning, but it doesn't have to end that way. God wants them to return home. And we should too. The prodigal son, as we might refer to him. Those who have wandered away and desire to come back, just as he was, are in need of repenting and returning. Anyone can return if they have left their service to God. Again, sometimes we place ourselves in the judgment seat. We have to be very careful about that as Christians, that we, we're not here to judge. Now we can judge those who are doing the wrong thing. We can judge enough to tell that they are doing the wrong thing. And we know that if they need to come to Christ. We know if they need to obey the gospel or return to Him. There are many types of people that we might be tempted like the Pharisees to look down upon. Tax collectors, prostitutes, sick sinners, all those are worthy of God's love. You know, Jesus was, was likewise criticized for even conversing with these people, but they're worthy of God's love. Jesus' love and compassion for others Jesus' love and compassion for those that others did not care for led Him to the cross where He sacrificed His own life to save them. Jesus loved all people. There's much criticism going on today about certain lives matter. There are certain people that, that are loved and certain people that are hated. Things that, that honestly I never thought I would hear in our day and time. But Jesus' love transcends it all. 
He gave his life for all people. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. John 15, verses 13 and 14. Jesus loves all people. God loves all people. He sent His Son to die for them. All people have a, a place in God's church if they desire. You know, we think of the Jews. They were Jesus' own people, His own race. And, and they rejected Him. You know, the gospel went to them first and they rejected Him. So the gospel was carried to the Gentiles as well. Will you? Are you a faithful child of God? Or are you a sinner? Are you in need of obeying the gospel? Maybe it is that you've not remained faithful. Maybe you've wandered away and know that God still loves you. And we do too. If you need to come back to Him in repentance, ask for forgiveness. There's something that we can do to help you. If you stand outside of Christ tonight, don't remain in that way of life. So we always do. We offer the invitation. If you're in need of responding in any way, if there's anything that we can do to assist you, then we give you the opportunity to do so. Together we stand and as we stand.